What's that sound? Banana. Banana. Could it be? Banana. It is. It's Spacey's. Spacey's is the show that blasts its listeners out of this world and into the distant future. Commander Rash Blasterbelt and Ensign Chuck Jr., along with their shipboard artificial intelligence Charles, travel the universe in their sleek, venture-class rocket ship, the ISGSS Urbaniac. It's their mission to explore space, protect the innocent, and guard the universe from bad guys at all costs. And guard it they do, because they are intergalactic space guardians! In our last adventure, our heroes landed on a pre-space flight planet and met Schrader, an intelligent young woman who didn't want to be thrown into an active volcano and who, just maybe, had a bit of a thing for Ensign Jr. After a whole slew of events involving a floating murder alien blood-related lava and an honest-to-goodness torch-carrying mob, Ensign Jock Jr. invited Schrader to join him and the commander in their outer space adventures. So what adventure awaits them this week? The only way to find out is to keep listening to tonight's episode, The Secret Guardian! Our story tonight begins aboard the ISGSS Urbaniac, in one of the engine rooms containing one of the ship's twin propulsion engines with a The door to the engine room slides open. Through it step a young man and a young woman, and then it closes with a And then there was this time an infestation of deadly space bats got onto the ship. Luckily, at the last minute, I was able to open up the airlock and suck them all out into space where they suffocated, just barely escaping getting the commander and me sucked out into space ourselves. That was another time we almost died. Do you almost die often? Oh, yeah. Pretty much every week. Anyway, this is one of the ship's engine rooms. What's this thing that looks like a giant glass jar with a swirling, violent explosion happening over and over inside of it? Ah, that is the plasma ignition core. Currently, it's using lava from that volcano you almost got thrown into to convert thermonuclear energy into fuel for the Urbaniac's fission propulsion engine. Uh, okay. Basically, it makes whatever's inside of it blow up over and over, creating several megatons of energy, and then the ship uses that energy to fly, create the artificial air we're breathing, turn on the lights, everything. Is it safe to be in here? Oh, yeah, absolutely. As long as you don't touch the core, or look directly at it, or put in fuel that hadn't already had impurities filtered out. One time, the commander accidentally dropped a fork in there. Woo! We almost blew up a whole solar system that day. So, we're surrounded by a cold, infinite void of nothingness, protected only by the small metal box we're inside of, which is powered by a dangerous and unstable jar of exploding lava. The ship's really more of a conical cylinder than a box, but yeah, it's pretty awesome, right? All right, well, that's the engine room. Now I'll show you the holographic simulation training room where a mysterious evil being from the seventh dimension once took over our brains and tried to enslave us. Uh, Actually, I have a question first. Oh, okay. About the engine room? Kind of. Um, when you suggested a tour of the ship, just the two of us, we started the tour in your um, quarters, which is what you call a bedroom on a spaceship good job using the vocab 
And now you're showing me the engines and stuff, and I, 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 I just assumed we would end the tour in the bedroom. Really? Why? <sighs> no reason. A bit later, on the bridge, Commander Blasterbelt sits attentively at the ship's controls, his brow furrowed in intense concentration. Is it a disappearian from the planet Vanishorius who is afraid of his own name? No, sir. Not even close. Okay, let me hear the riddle again. Very well. But this is the last time. With a familiar whoosh sound, the door to the bridge slides open, and in walk Jock and Schrader. As fast as it opened, the door slides close behind them with a shoosh. When you say its name, it goes away. What is it? Oh, that's an easy one. Silence. Oh, man, of course! Wait, Charles, is that right? Yes, obviously. Thanks, Schrader. That would have kept me up all night. And speaking of, how was the tour? It's going great. This is the final stop. Wait, why wouldn't you end the tour in your quarters? (laughs) Why would I do that? There's nothing in there except my bed. Sorry about him, Schrader. Sometimes Jock is a little slow on the uptake. Yeah, I've noticed. Huh? He's not the sharpest cookie in the metaphor box. That one got away from me a little. Sirs, I'm picking up a distress signal coming from a nearby pastoral-type planetoid. A distress signal? Someone out in the universe needs our help. And, as intergalactic space guardians, it's our sworn obligation to help them. What do you think they need help with? Could be anything. Gargobarians, Arborian war elms, murder bots. Murder bots? Yeah, they're like robots that murder you. Okay. It's unlikely to be murder bots, though. They rarely leave their victims time to call for help before murdering them. Oh, great. Charles, chart a course to the signal and engage (laughs) engines. Yes, sir. The process of flying a rocket ship at faster than light speed in the direction of an interstellar distress signal, of entering the atmosphere of a pastoral-type planetoid, and of landing on the surface of that planetoid is a complex and intricate one. It requires detailed computations involving advanced mathematics and astrophysics. Learning to pilot a venture-class rocket ship takes years of study and training at an institution like the ISG Academy. Or, if you're a rocket ship equipped with an artificial intelligence like Charles, you can just have him do it. Here we are, sirs and ma'am. The planetoid Zizzlesweight. Atmosphere, breathable. Climate, Temperate. The weather is that of a pleasant, breezy afternoon. So, Schrader, ready to visit your first alien world? If not, you can always hang out on the ship with Charles. Don't worry, he almost never turns evil and tries to kill us. Hmm. Um, I'll go with you guys. Great! Sensors indicate that the stress signal came from nearby, but I'm unable to pinpoint an exact location. You'll have to look around. I'm lowering the exit ramp now. I can't 
can't believe I'm actually about to step onto the ground of a different planet. Pretty cool, right? Step, step. Oh, step, step, wow. Step, step. I don't know what I was expecting, but this is kind of nice. It's just a peaceful, sunny hillside covered in a beautiful purple heather and purple trees and purple grass. Yeah, alien planets are weird. That is interesting. The plant life on this world must develop a unique mixture of chlorophyll. That's the compound that allows plants to photosynthesize. And anthocyanin, the compound that turns some plants purple. We could call this combo something like perchlorophyll. All right. We know someone around here sent out a distress signal, so we should look for any signs of intelligent life. How about that big purple manor house up on that hill? Yep. Great example. Look out. Someone's walking out of that house toward us. It's just a middle-aged woman in servant's attire. Is it just me, or does it look like she has purple skin and purple hair? Huh. So this planetoid must be populated by purple-type humanoids, probably connected to the purplorophyll in the plants and soil. I was thinking the same thing. Should we go over to her? Nah, she's walking over. She'll be here in a sec. We could meet her halfway. Better not. We still don't know how this world reacts to outsiders, and since she's coming down the hill, she has the high ground. Yeah, alien world fighting rule number one. Whoever has the high ground automatically wins. We'll just have to wait for her to get here. Meantime, what's your blaster set to, Jock? Stun, sir, just in case. Great. Mine's set to sprinkles, because I was eating a donut earlier. We shouldn't need either, but if she's hostile, yours will probably be more useful. Here she comes. Hello! Welcome to Sizzlesweet Manor. I'm the head servant of the household. My name is Mrs. Zedzook. Greetings, Mrs. Zedzook. I'm Commander Rash Blasterbelt of the ISGSS Urbaniac. This is Ensign Jock Jr. and, uh, citizen? Civilian? Person? Just general cool gal? I'm Schrader. Nice to meet you. I'm afraid the master of the house, Lord Raven, is away and won't be back for some time. But he said to welcome and show hospitality to any guests who should stop by. Ah, I see from your spaceship over there that you must be from outer space. That's right. Well, we're used to outsiders. We have aliens from other worlds stop by all the time. Anyone is welcome at Zizzlesweight Manor. Unless you're murder bots. Oh, we're definitely not. Good, good. Now, if you'll just follow me to the manor. Hey, this isn't so bad. Is this how all your adventures go? Not really. There's usually someone shooting at us or trying to blow us up by this point. While you're at the manor, feel free to explore the house and surrounding land as much as you'd like. But if you happen to come upon an old locked gate overgrown with ivy that looks like it must lead to a beautiful garden filled with wonder and magic. Magic. I must ask that you leave it alone. Lord Raven ordered that the garden be locked up and shut away forever ten years ago. No one is to ever enter it again. It's sort of a metaphor for the way he's closed himself off emotionally. 
since his wife died ten years ago. Got it. Well, that shouldn't be too much of a problem. I have a feeling what we're looking for isn't... is... I have a feeling what we're looking for is inside the house, anyway. Very well. Let me show you inside. <laughs> uh, actually, I'll head inside. Jock, why don't you and Schrader stay out here? Walk around this beautiful, romantic countryside, you know, for recon purposes. Um, okay. Thanks. I got you. What are you doing with your eye? Why are you closing it like that? I'm winking at you. What's winking? We don't have that on my planet. Never mind. All right, Mrs. Zedzok, let's head inside. Right this way, sir! The purple-type alien named Mrs. Zedzok opens a large, ornate door with a... (laughs) ...and holds it open for the commander. Wow. Nice manor house. Thank ye, sir. Commander Blasterbelt steps through the doorway and enters the immaculate and impressive hall. Polished floors of dark purple wood stretch out before him, leading to so many adjoining halls, elaborate staircases, and doors... The purple head of servants closes the large front door. And begins walking down the hall. As I said before, you're welcome as a guest of the manor, and it's Master Lord Zraven, who's away, and won't be back for some time to explore any part of the house you like, except this hall here. All the rooms down this hall, and indeed the hall itself, and thinking about the hall and looking at it even, are strictly forbidden. That's the second thing you've forbidden us from exploring, immediately after inviting us to explore as much as we want. Are you hiding something? Something suspicious? I think we're being incredibly generous considering we opened up the home and welcomed you without knowing anything about you or what you want or why you're here. Ah, that reminds me. We're here because we received a distress signal. It came from this region. We're thinking it may have come from inside the house. That's not possible. No one here is in distress. The only people here are the servants of the house and grounds because the master of the house, Lord Zraven, is away and won't be back for some time. Right. So I'm afraid you won't find the source of that distress signal here. Are you sure? Because that sounded like distress. Distress coming from that hallway you just told me not to go down. Oh, no, 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 oh, no. That was probably a dog. We have dogs here in the manor, or a bird, or the wind, or anything other than the sound of someone in distress. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm just going to have a look around. Not down there, though, of course. There's the servant's bell. One of the servants must need my help with something. I must go. Make yourself at home anywhere you'd like other than... Other than this hallway right here. Right. Okay. I'm walking away now. Don't go down there. Oh, I won't. Okay, you're welcome to go anywhere but not there. Okay, bye. Goodbye. Don't go down there. I mean it. Bye. 
Okay. I won't not go down there. <laughs> Rash blaster belt, you clever minx. Now, where was that Aha! sound coming from? Ah, this door here. In I go. Commander Rash Blasterbelt opens the large, heavy door and sees something we'll find out after a quick commercial break. Tonight's Spaces is brought to you by viewers like you. And you may be thinking, wait, don't you mean listeners like you? Because Spaces is a radio show, you listen to it, you don't view it. But no, I literally mean tonight's show is brought to you by the phrase, viewers like you. Remember that phrase? If you grew up watching PBS, you do. You know what I'm talking about. Support for Wishbone is brought to you by viewers like you. It's one of those phrases you hear so often as a kid, you memorize it without even thinking about what it means. Like, each sold separately. Or, part of this complete breakfast. Or, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands one nation under God, invisible liberty and justice for all. Man, kids are so easy to brainwash. No wonder they made Joe Camel illegal. Anyway, back to the show. And now, back to Spacey's. Just before the break, Commander Blasterbelt had headed into the forbidden hallway and opened a forbidden door to see something shocking. Meanwhile, outside, Ensign Jock Jr. and citizen-slash-civilian-slash-person-slash-just-general-cool-gal Schrader walk around the romantic, sunlit, pastoral, purple moorland. I can't get over how beautiful it is here. It just feels comfortable and familiar. Even if it is a little weird that everything is purple. You know, the purple pigmentation of the flora here probably has a fascinating effect on the seasonal cycle. I wonder if they're on a four-season system or a quadra-seasonal bilinear system. Okay, so... <laughs> what? You get that I'm into you, right? Um... Like, I think you're attractive and charming and I really like you. Thanks. So you don't have to impress me by showing off how smart you are. Oh, I... Sorry, it's just been so long since I've really interacted socially with anyone except the commander. I'm kind of out of practice at talking to... Somebody I like. I mean, I like the commander. Fine, but... I get it. But you don't need to explain everything to me. You don't have to know how something works to enjoy it. Hearing the technical explanation of everything sort of ruins the magic. What? Magic? What, you don't believe in magic? Uh, no. I'm a man of science. Well, that doesn't have anything to do with it. Science has everything to do with everything. It's how we understand the universe. Yeah, yeah, and that's all fine. But I'm not talking about what makes gravity work or where the sun goes when it goes to sleep for the night. Oh, man, your planet was really behind. Just sit down here in the grass with me for a second. Okay. There. Now put your hand out like this and feel the purple grass. But what for? Just do it. There you go. Now feel the sunlight on your face. Listen to the bird song of that purple robin over there making a purple nest with his purple mate. 
smell the sweet scent coming off those lilacs over there that are ironically orange. That is weird. Just close your eyes and breathe it all in. Ensign Jock Jr., feeling a little bit foolish, closes his eyes and inhales slowly. As he does, he is filled with a calmness, a contentment, a peace. He exhales just as slowly, and when he opens his eyes, he finds that he's looking into the eyes of the beautiful young woman sitting next to him. He also notices that at some point, the two of them have begun holding hands. He also, also notices that their faces are getting closer together. See? It's... Badger. It is a fascinating coincidence, at least according to the foremost behavioral scientist and sociologist in the universe, that every known carbon-based species with lips has invented kissing. And in 99.999% of the cases, it is a show of affection, usually in a romantic manner. Though, for the mafia stereotype people of consigliarius, kissing is a sign of aggression to be immediately followed by saying, you broke my heart, and then killing someone. Anyway, my point is, even though Schrader and Jock come from entirely different worlds, are technically different species, and know as much about each other's home worlds as a donkey knows about surfing, in this moment, something deep in their DNA knows exactly what to do. And in situations like this, even the most analytical and logical of ISG ensigns knows to let his lips take the lead. But we'll leave these two and their mouths alone for now and return to Commander Rash Blasterbelt, who's just looked into a dark, stuffy room to see... A kid? Just a kid lying in a bed? Who are you? What are you doing in my room? Look how huge your bed is! Why are you crying when you have such a massive bed? What, is that a mega queen? You have to leave, or Mrs. Zedzok will- Look at all these toys! Kid, what in space do you have to be complaining about? Whoever you are? You'd better listen to me! My name is Colin Sraven! My father, Lord Sraven! is the master of this house, and- And he's away and won't be back for some time. Hey, why is it so dark in here? I have to keep it dark. You got all the curtains drawn. You gotta open these up, get your windows open, get some air flowing in here, it's stuffy. No! What? Are you a vampire? No, I'm a very sick boy. Sunlight will make my eyes hurt and air from outside his germs that will affect me. I'm going to die, don't open that window. All right. Hang on. What are you doing? Getting my blaster out. You're gonna kill me, aren't you? God! What? No! Well, go ahead. I'm a wretched creature and should be put down. Calm down, you big baby. I'm just gonna check you for illness. But first, here. Out of the barrel of the commander's blaster comes not laser fire, but instead a large handful of sprinkles! Yeah, enjoy, kid. Now, to set my blaster to detect illness. Click, 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 click. There we go. See? No illness detected. There's nothing wrong with you, kid. You're fine. I am not fine. I am sick. And I'm going to die. And no one loves me. And all I do is lay here all day waiting to die. And no one ever talks to me unless I throw a fit and scream and cry. And then all they do is... Oh, I see what's going on. <laughs> You're not sick. You're just a spoiled brat. Excuse me? Hey, I get it, man. I was a spoiled brat, too. I am not. Yeah, I was also a rich only child whose parents were never around. 
My parents are never around because my mother died giving birth to me. And my father never speaks to me because he can't face the tragedy of losing my mother. He forbids anything that reminds him of her, even the garden that she used to love more than anything else in the world. He had it locked up forever. All right, kid. All right, calm down. I'm rash. I'm going to help you not be such a spoiled brat. Suddenly, Rash and Colin hear footsteps pounding their way to the door. And in runs Mrs. Edzok. Oh, calm down, boy. I know you're screaming. They heard you screaming and rang the bell for me. And now I'm here with your what? What are you doing in here, Commander Blasterbelt? You cannot be in here. The boy is very sick. He's fine. Here, Master Colin, I have your medicine. Mrs. Zedzok pulls from the pocket of an apron she's been wearing this whole time a large bottle of pills. Wait, what? He's very ill. Whenever he has a fit like this, we have to give him these pills to calm him down. A kid's acting out and your solution is to drug him until he calms down? What kind of insane backward society would do that? Mrs. Zedzok, you work for me. You will do as I say, not the other way around. I will not take those pills. I will go with Rash, and he will teach me not to be spoiled. What? Mr. Colin, I... You heard him. All right, kid. Let's go. Are you going to take me to my mother's old garden where I can enjoy the beauty and magic of nature and become revitalized by it? Nope. Come on. Meanwhile, still outside... The problem with describing physical intimacy between two characters is that different members of your audience may have wildly differing opinions on the level of intimacy that's appropriate for two young, attractive people who've basically just met to engage in. Some listeners may feel that it's improper for young adults to even kiss with tongue until they are lawfully wed in the presence of some kind of god, while others might argue that it doesn't even really count unless you get to at least second base. Who do you try to appeal to? These are the kinds of things narrators deal with. So, as we return to Jock and Schrader, you can choose to imagine them laying nude post-coital in the purple grass, Schrader caressing Jock's bare chest, Jock running his fingers through Schrader's hair, or you can picture them fully dressed, standing several feet apart, exhibiting polite restraint, but with longing in their eyes. Or whatever else you want. It's your imagination. Traitor. Yeah. You're pretty cool. You're pretty cool, too. Cool. Hey, look. What? It's that purple robin I mentioned briefly earlier. He's got something in his beak. It looks like a key. Like the kind that would open a locked garden gate. He's hopping up and down and chirping, almost like he wants us to follow him. I guess we should. And so Schrader and the Ensign follow after the plucky bird. Maybe they stand up and put their clothes back on first, or maybe they've been dressed the whole time. Again, I, I leave that up to you. Meanwhile, in another part of outside, somewhere else, what are we doing? Come here. Look down here at this. <sighs> All I see is a creepy, ugly insect crawling on a branch. Insects? Are disgusting. No, they're not. They're living things. Look, when I was your age, I was a lot like you. All I ever did was sit around, lonely, feeling sorry for myself. Until I went outside and started looking at the bugs. They were so small and helpless, and my mom's dog would always try to eat them. They needed me to protect them. And so I did. 
After that, I knew what I wanted to do with my life. Protect. And since another word for protect is guard, I became an intergalactic space guardian. And now I travel the universe looking for people who need help. So instead of taking me to my dead mother's garden to connect to her memory, you took me to look at a bug and listen to your life story? No, I'm saying no wonder you feel like you're going to die all the time. All you do is sit in the dark all day and feel sorry for yourself. You gotta do something. Maybe what worked for me will work for you. Here, look. See this little guy? He can't get up on that branch he's trying to get onto. Why don't you help him out? Ew! You mean touch it? It's not gonna bite you. It's a caterpillar. Or, like, your planet's weird version of a caterpillar. Go on. Okay. (gasps) I did it! Now that little bug is on the branch it was trying to get onto. Yeah! And you did that. You helped him. Doesn't that feel good? It does! Can we go find more bugs to help? Oh, I'm just a gardener, gardening all day long, pulling weeds and trimming hedges, doing general gardening stuff. You there, gardener, bring me more bugs to assist. What? Hey, don't talk to him like that. Why not? He's just a lowly gardener. He's also a person. Why, is that the young master, son of the lord of the manor, what is away and won't be back for some time? Ain't you all crippled and sickly? He's fine. I'm Rash Blasterbelt of the ISGSS Urbania. Nice to meet you. I'm old Zeb Zeberstaff, the gardener here at Zizzlesweight Manor. I must say, it's surprising to see you out and about, young lad. All the servants heard ye was practically dead. How dare you speak to me with such familiarity? Hey, kid, knock it off. You're being a little jerk. Look, old Zeb here looks like he could use some help pulling those weeds. But I'm the son of a wealthy lord. I don't pull weeds. You do today. We're working on you being less of a spoiled little brat, remember? Well, I just figured out how we're going to do it. You're going to learn to appreciate everyone who works so hard around here. Aw, man. A bit later, Schrader and Jock walk hand in hand inside the gorgeous, if slightly overgrown, garden. So this is the secret garden Mrs. Zedzok told us to stay out of, huh? I wonder why. It's so peaceful and picturesque. Yeah, I'm so glad that Robin led us to the gate and then gave us the key to open it up. Thanks, little purple Robin. (laughs) And thank you, Schrader, for reminding me to just take it all in. It's been a pretty magical day. As far as outer space adventures go, I don't think I could have asked for a better first time. Yeah. It's been great, hasn't it? I hope the commander's doing all right following up on that distress signal. I wonder what it was all about. Hope it wasn't murder bots. All right, Colin. You've helped the gardener pull weeds, you helped the scullery maids wash floors, and even nursed a baby fox back to health after it lost its mother. How you feeling now? I feel good. Like, I accomplished something today, and, like, I'm grateful to be alive. Wow! Getting up and doing things and helping others has made me feel better. It must be some kind of magic. Yeah, in a way, I guess it is. Hey, where are we? Hey, Commander. (gasps) Why, this is my mother's secret garden. The one that's been locked up ever since she died when I was born ten years ago. Huh. Would you look at that? What are you doing in here? You cannot be in here. This garden is forbidden. 
I specifically told you that when I met you earlier. Oh, Master Colin, you shouldn't be out of your bed and out of the house. You're a sick boy. Relax. He's... Mrs. Sedzak, I am not sick. I am a healthy boy, and working outside is good for me. Moreover, I am no longer a self-centered and spoiled little brat. Therefore, I wish to say this. Thank you for all you've done to take care of me over the years. I appreciate you. What? I never thought I'd hear you say something like that. I'm about to start crying, I am. So, how'd the adventure go? Pretty well. Just had to teach a kid not to be such a crybaby. I was walking around out here. It was, uh, really great. Yeah, very satisfying. Why are you doing that with your eyes? Doing winking at you. You're supposed to only do one eye. Never mind. Well, Colin, you did great today. I bet you're glad you sent out that distress signal, huh? Distress signal? I never sent a distress signal. You didn't? But we picked one up in deep space. If you didn't send it, where could it have come from? I don't know. I do. Father! Lord Zreven! That's right. I've been away for some time, but I recently picked up a distress signal myself, and it told me to return home. You see, my late wife must have programmed it to go off if no one came into the garden to appreciate its magical beauty. So the distress signal came from the garden? That's right. Hey, that birdbath over there has a blinking red light on it. Could that be the signal? Oh, yeah, probably. I can't believe we didn't see that before. Wait! My boy! My son! You're walking around and enjoying the garden! You're not sick! No, father. I'm better now! I'm not dying. I'm going to live forever and ever and ever and I'll never die. Well, I wouldn't say that. I never should have locked up this garden. Seeing you in it now, I'm overcome with emotion. Me too. Me too. (laughs) Colin runs to his father who embraces him in a warm hug. Mrs. Zedzok throws her arms around the pair, and soon all three purple-type people begin crying in overwhelmed joy. Well, looks like our work here is done. Let's get back to the ship, you two. Actually, maybe you should go ahead, Rash. Wink. Nice, you got it. But you don't have to say wink. Anyway, I'll see you on the ship, Ensign. Schrader, it's been cool. Why did it sound like he was saying goodbye? Jock. You're coming with us, right? Look, I was really excited to leave my planet with you guys, especially because my only other option was to be murdered by an angry mob, but the way you and Rash travel isn't really my speed. What do you mean? You get into different life-threatening adventures every week or so. I'm not exactly looking for that right now. I almost got thrown into a volcano and then left everyone and everything I've ever known behind. My whole world has changed, literally. I'm still reeling from learning that there are people living on other planets, let alone the realization that I am one now. So, you're just gonna stay here? For a while, yeah. 
Mrs. Zedzock said they get alien visitors all the time, so I can always catch a ride out with someone else when I'm ready. I mean, now that I know what a huge universe it is out there, I'm sure I'll go out and explore it eventually. But if I went with you now, it would just be you showing the universe to me. I need to discover it for myself. You know what I mean? Are you breaking up with me? Well, to be fair, we were never dating or anything, so... I can't believe this! I meet the girl of my dreams, and she chooses a purple countryside over me? I'm the girl of your dreams? Well, yeah, honestly. I really like you, Jock, and I've had an amazing day with you. But I've got some stuff of my own to figure out, and I think I'll have an easier time of it in a place like this than I would on a conical cylinder in space. Good job using the vocab. We'll meet again. I promise. Schrader grabs Jock's lapel and pulls him close, planting a kiss right on his lips. Not too much later, perhaps after a quick stop to once again stand feet apart and be polite with Schrader, Jock walks into the bridge of the Urbaniac and the door slides closed behind him with a shoo. Hey, Jock. I see Schrader's not with you. She's gonna stay. She dumped you, huh? We were never actually dating, so... That's rough, buddy. Yeah, I mean, it sucks, but I'll be okay. It was a really great day. Yeah, I can tell. What do you mean? You've got grass in your hair and your shirt's on inside out. Ow, man. Charles, get us out of here. Chart a course for somewhere awesome. (sighs) Yes, uh... Come on, Jock. You want to watch a sad romantic comedy and eat some ice cream? You know what? Yeah, I do. Whoosh! Great. Commander? Yeah, Jock? Do you... believe in magic? Of course! What do you think makes the ship fly? You're kidding, right? You know how the ship works, sir. Please tell me you understand that a rocket ship doesn't run on magic! Shoo! And so ends another great adventure of the crew of the Urbaniac. Will Jock and Schrader meet again? Will Colin grow up to be a well-rounded, pretty cool guy? Or will he go back to being a spoiled brat now that his dad's around? And is Charles gonna be more of a main character ever again? Or is he doomed to exist only in the background? The only way to find out is to keep tuning in to Spacey's. Speaking of which, be sure you don't miss next week's festive, merry, and holiday-themed episode of Spacey, the Holiday Spatial. Tonight's episode of Spacey's, The Secret Guardian, was written by Paul Richter and starred Frank Roberts as Ensign Jack Jr., Paul Richter as Commander Rash Blasterbilt, Dylan Twiner as Charles, Mrs. Zedzock, Zeb Zeberstaff, and Lord's Raven, Thomas Robinson as the narrator and Collins Raven, the spoiled little brat, and me, Nana Curley, as Schrader. Spacey's is produced by Dylan Twiner. The creators of Spacey's would like to apologize to Frances Hodgson's Burnett, author of The Secret Garden, for butchering her beloved children's classic. <laughs> We ever 
do make a Patreon. I will write some commercials that are just like, the Patreon's the only place you'll get to hear Frank go, <laughs> and Daisy go, clickety-clack, 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 clack. Oh, this is all good stuff.